Cravings, a podcast about cravings. I'm Claire. And I'm Brianna. And today we're actually under the same roof. Well, like yes, not just to I record, mean, but like we're here now together. We are here now together. Yeah, it's been a bit and it's been a good bit. We live together now is yeah. what Claire is saying. That's the bet. That's the whole bit. We're doing this for the joke. We're living together for several months for <laughs> a joke. Yeah, it's all a build-up, and then eventually at the end of it, there will be a punchline. Not sure what that is yet. I, I would rather not get punchlined by you and when I leave this apartment. <laughs> punchlined. <laughs> I like to think that's a combination of just punched and clothesline. I think that's what it is. I don't think that's how this is going to end. I don't think that's how I'm going to leave this apartment. Probably I hope that's not. not your plan. Yeah, no, it's not my plan, <laughs> at least yet. Uh, at least, okay. You think it could get to that point? I think it would take a lot, perhaps, like... Am I not doing the dishes enough? Or... <laughs> you do the dishes one less time than I expect you, and you just get punched. <laughs> that is a healthy living environment. Yeah, this is how we promote healthy living standards. Yeah, I'm enjoying living with you, by the way. Well, I don't thanks. know if this is, like, a thing that I've explicitly said yet. Wow. But it's been really nice living Now I have proof, and you can never unsay it. I've trapped you. Crap, that is what you've done. Yeah. You've, this is entrapment. Uh, oh. <laughs> what is entrapment? Is it like, it's when cops do a awful thing, right? That's what it is. I mean, cops do a lot of awful things, so a little more specific than that. Yeah, it's when they, like, force you to commit a crime. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. Maybe not what this is. But what this is, in this, is an episode of Salt Cravings, where we talk about our cravings. Just like every episode of Salt Cravings. It's true. We sometimes have themes. <laughs> do, we, do we sometimes have themes? I don't think we've intentionally done a theme yet. We will eventually intentionally do a theme, and that is a fun sentence to say. Hey, you know what would be cool? If people listening told us what themes they want us to do. If you're listening to this podcast, send us an email over at any social media at Salt Cravings, that's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or contact us via email if you really like your Gmail account for some reason. Yeah. Contact at saltcravings.com. But today is not theme, but it does have some space for some cravings. So a thing that I'm craving, there's a specificness and also a general thing. You know how like the 50s were the worst and awful in like every way? Yeah, the 50s were pretty bad. Yeah, but the aesthetics. But also the aesthetic was very good. It was extremely good. Just those dresses and the, the skirts. Dresses. I'm in a class on Alfred Hitchcock right now. And like Hitchcock movies are not my thing, but the thing that is kind of cool about these movies is getting to see kind of the old aesthetics, which is very much this 50s, 60s era. And I love the 50s aesthetic. And so it's generally a 50s aesthetic, but specifically a 50s aesthetic that is also lesbian. And even more specifically, lesbian diner dates. Like 50s oh. diner dates with lesbians. And diners are such a 50s thing, too. They are. It's not like they only existed in the 50s, but it's like you go to your diner at midnight. I don't I guess they're often 24 hours, aren't they? They are often 24 yeah, hours. So you just go to your diner whenever and you get a milkshake. You've got your poodle skirt. And your poodle. And your lesbian partner has her leather jacket, you know? That's right. a good image. Oh, like it's in your in a 50s car. So you were not at the diner. Or no, are you no, driving no, through like, the, dri the diner's drive-thru? Well, no, you, this is part of the getting there. 
right? This is the full the full experience. The full 50s lesbian dining experience is you get in your, your 50s car and you go down to a diner and you go in and it's like, do people recognize you? Is that how the 50s aesthetic works? Is that a thing? Are you asking me my experiences of the 50s? <laughs> They're minimal. Yeah, mine too. I was not quite born yet. But you go in there and you order a milkshake and you get the two straws because that is quintessential and then you get some like burgers and fries but like this is a good version of the 50s that is not awful and i mean you're going on your lesbian date in the 50s and you're not getting assaulted or random men aren't coming up to your table and being like how you ladies doing yeah like it's a good version of this aesthetic so you're flirting with your poodle beside you (laughs) i like the poodles there (laughs) because this is also a good feature where diners just let dogs in not very clean yeah probably not they have have like dog booties at the entrance they have dog booties that's so cute also they have like little bowls of things for the dog oh like that's you know like a bowl of milkshake it's really bad dog. for the dog there's dog ice cream oh i guess you could make a dog milkshake then you could the other thing is of course there's robot <laughs> they do the cleaning so it's fine it's fine okay i'm just saying this aesthetic is something that i really like i like the 50s aesthetic in general so you've been craving the 50s aesthetic a like gayer version of the 50s aesthetic a gayer version of all our cravings is our Basically. cravings the outfits are really good i don't I don't know what it is. I was talking last episode about neon, and like neon was a thing in the fifties. Yeah, like it was a part of the thing, and I really like everything kind of blocky, but in a smooth way. You know, you ever think about how the fifties vision of the future was just everything we have, but sleeker, and it can fly. Everything is chrome, and everything is shiny. Exactly, and I like the idea of just that as a vision of the future. So, just you like Back to the Future aesthetic. I the future i think it is a good movie i watched it on back to the future day do you remember when that happened uh no i was in the future i don't remember that day well i was there in the present and it was like the day from the movie the future day from the movie right and you know what it's like kind of gross but it also kind (laughs) of still holds up i'm unsurprised i mean yeah yeah it's like bad it's bad. I just am craving the 50s aesthetic. What do you think of the 50s aesthetic? I don't think I'm as well-versed as the distinct split of 50s versus 60s. Perhaps. Kind of blends. Yeah, so I don't think I have, like, a very strong opinion. But one of the things that I super like about the 50s is just, like, and this is probably just a thing in the movies, going out and dancing in the street. God! Oh, doing the twist. Yeah, doing the twist. And also how every dance move had a name and how school dances, it was just like, these were the dances you did. Did your school have a prom? Yeah. Didn't most? No, No, mine did not. Oh. My high school, like we had a winter ball in the like, in December or whatever, when it wasn't even winter, which is great. Or maybe it was winter. When when does winter start? Is it December? Mm. December 21st? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't winter yet, but we had winter ball because time is meaningless. And then we had like grad dinner dance when you graduated. Yeah. There was never like a prom. I thought prom was the dancing and the dinner. It is, but the grad dinner dance is just for people who are graduating. My understanding of prom is that it's like, like multiple grades. Like it also wasn't hosted at the school usually. Yeah. Ours wasn't at the school. I think the prom is supposed to be like in the school gym. Instead of 
dancing in the school gym. We had carnival things in the school gym. We had like sort of like a bouncy castle in one corner. Also, we got back to the school, I think at like 10 p.m. And then the event just went until 4 a.m. And then you just went back home and there was no school for you the next day because like it happened on a Thursday or something. It was just like no one expected you to show up. And there was also like the unmentioned after party for all the cool kids. (laughs) For ours, there was like a dry grad, like an after grad, it was called, where it was like kind of carnival style. You got there at 10, 1 p.m., but it was like intentionally made really cool so that you would go to that instead of drinking. Yeah, I think that was the intent. That was the intent. But in the 50s, prom was like, there's a lot of 50s school dance scenes and media. I'm still not quite sure what a homecoming dance is. I know it happened. Oh, you're coming home? (laughs) From what? I don't know, a day of drinking? What? No. I don't know. I don't know what homecoming is either. I just know it's a word for a dance. Yeah, that's accurate. I don't know what it is that appeals to me. I hate the 50s as an era. I think they are one of the worst, like, eras of the 1900s. Worse than the 40s? The thing that is particularly bad about the 50s was that it was a reaction to the 40s, and people did not react well. There were different reactions all around. Like, in America specifically, there was a big goal to reinstate hierarchies that had kind of fallen apart during the 40s. That was why 50s Housewife is so prominent, because that was an intense intentional goal to take women out of the factories to get men their job back and also like tons of racism and like very explicit segregation was a big deal because like people had fought alongside each other in the 40s and so they needed to reinstate hierarchies to ensure that people understood what they thought hierarchies were and that's why the 50s is terrible like in actuality but there is something about the aesthetics of it that is like interesting to me the 50s could have been so good theoretically depending on the reaction it was at moments there was a flux period there where rather than trying to reinstate these hierarchies there was some desire to kind of mess with what we knew about all of them like what christine jorgensen was a trans woman in the 50s who kind of got national attention as being like the first like known like kind of open person to have sex reassignment surgery she'd gotten it in europe she had been a soldier in the war and then she had kind of gotten out of the war and had started hormones and to europe came back to the u.s and became like a huge star this is a thing that you're not really taught ever anymore but christine jorgensen was huge she was in the early 50s and there was a year i think where she was on more magazine covers than marilyn monroe or the president who gotten elected <laughs> that year stephen baker or something but like she was a huge deal she was on talk shows people were also not too disrespectful to her like it was the 50s right and people were new to this and so there was that there was interest instead of interest instead of fear i mean there was fear like hierarchically because this is the time when they're trying to reinstate all these hierarchies and here comes someone who quote-unquote changed genders and so they're trying to reinstate gender hierarchies and then there's this person which is like why we don't learn about her anymore and also why like there was pushback against that would have seriously tweeted about her if she was a model today model star she was a star i think she did do modeling she had at one point a movie made about her life apparently it was awful and gross Um, made the remake remake. god honestly her story is really interesting she was super well known i think this is maybe a reason why the 50s is interesting to me is because she was very much a 
part of womanhood and was like a part of that aesthetic in a way that like had problematic aspects but obviously she was a very like not completely cishet fake I don't know exactly what her sexuality was I think she married a man or something like that I think she was legally like gendered female and was able to do that but that might be Lily I've been thinking of point is the 50s were really wild because it was this time of everything that we knew has just been turned upside down like I'm talking about America in the 50s Europe in the 50s was a whole different story <laughs> Europe in the 50s was like at least culturally and artistically was super like nihilistic obviously for lots of reasons that are very understandable the 50s and 60s are interesting because they are right between revolutionary moments in culture end of the 60s beginning of the 70s you get Stonewall and the like second wave feminist movements and throughout the 60s you get the civil rights movement it's fun how we got Stonewall and the second wave feminists at the same time it is interesting huh yeah I mean there's a link there that people don't want to acknowledge all the time I mean like people in second wave feminism didn't want to acknowledge the role of trans people making people think about gender in a different way that makes sense I mean it makes sense that they did that I guess this is a long-winded way of me saying trans people have always affected the way we think of gender in society and I included in the 50s but just what I really want is like an awareness of all of this stuff about the 50s while also thinking about this aesthetic queer the 50s that's what i want to do queer the 50s queer the 50s make it like not the worst i mean we're seeing an 80s resurgence we are so like maybe next decade it will be the 50s oh man the 80s were a whole other thing one day i'll I'll talk about cravings i have for the 80s it's (laughs) mostly synth pop there are a lot of different like ways that you interacted with people in the 50s that are definitely different from today and so like one of my cravings go is all about how you interact with someone else specifically it is a good hug and (laughs) that was such a careful segue into that sweet sweet topic yeah well okay it's not just any hug Mm -hmm. you can give someone a hug and that's fine it is a hug like hugs are nice they do their thing but there is a big difference between a hug and a good hug and there's criteria Mm. and i feel like everyone has different criteria but i can tell you what my criteria are tell me the hug criteria all right let's hit the graphic up there (laughs) of claire's hug scale (laughs) get my laser pointer out and start doing a powerpoint presentation (laughs) yeah exactly so as you can see in this area as i'm pointing with the laser pointer (laughs) no okay so i feel like every hug starts as a good hug and it only gets worse from there There's no getting better, there's only getting worse. So here's one example. When people lean forward for a hug, I feel like it ruins it. Uh Like they're just sort of like touching you with their shoulders. They're just like giving you a light shoulder touch, but with their shoulders. I just like a straight two people standing close together. You only like straight hugs? (laughs) I only like straight hugs. God. No. Another good thing, your arms do an X. Like you have one arm over their other arm and one arm under their other arm. And vice versa. That's a lot of arms there. <laughs> I, I just want to, like, you just, you, okay, whose arms is doing what, Claire? So you just talked each... about four arms. And I was thinking they were all in the same person. So, okay, let me rephrase this to be more consumable. Thank you. I mean, you know, the, they can't see the chart. has an arm above another person's arm, and you each have an arm below the other person's arm. It's like you're making an X around their body, but like the X is both of your arms. Coordinated X. And yeah, it's a coordinated X between your arms and their arms. And I feel like this is the best 
way to hug. You can yeah. like arms around someone's waist, I guess. But I feel like the person who has yeah. the arms around their waist is losing out. I mean, but there's also the like, ooh, you know, that's okay. Sexy. I mean, yes. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. And this I'm is talking not, about a it. nice hug. I'm not talking about some I'm gonna get at you hug action. That's reasonable. Here's a potential variation. Okay. Leg up. Like leg behind you or just you've stuck your knee between their legs. <laughs> like behind you. <laughs> or you like stuck just, it off to the side. Yeah. Just sort of balancing. It's like in old TV shows where someone's leg will go up when they're kissing someone. Uh-huh. But like, I just like the idea of leg up. I think that okay. that's cute. Now, this is great because you can't do that if you're leaning forward. You're exactly. going to fall over. Sort if you can't stick your leg fall. up, it's not a good hug. That's the first rule. <laughs> Stick your leggy up real far yeah, just in this hug. Yeah. Another criteria is resting your chin on someone else. So you can tell from these criteria, I love physical contact. I and mean, a I'm, hug. I'm with you. Yeah, and a hug is like a way that I show that. Mm-hmm. And so this is why I think about this so much. When you're hugging, resting your chin on their shoulder, just sort of that. Like, yeah. And this is dependent on That's people's good. height. Yeah, I feel I like, like sometimes you can't reach your chin to you their just shoulder. Can't. Nope. If it's possible, do it. If it's viable, yeah. it increases the hug points. Do you know what I think is is an interesting thing about this is hugging is a well thought out form of affection. It makes sense. It is reasonable. It is when done right. It is great. Every aspect of it is good. The form of affection, which I like, but which is horribly designed, is spooning. That's just like a weird angular hug. It is. But it's weird, right? It's like your one arm. The one arm is always going to be bad. So, like, objectively, Little Spoon is better. Objectively, Little Spoon is better. That is always correct. Objectively. The other thing is when hugging someone, does it matter to you what height that person is? Talks about perfect hug? We're crafting the perfect hug here. Okay. We're building it piece by piece. Yeah. Do you want someone who's similar height? Do you want someone who's taller or someone who's shorter? What is the best? for your hug form. I feel like if I wasn't thinking for the optimal hug, I definitely know sometimes I just want to like be enveloped by a tall person. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just want that. But for the optimal hug, for maximum affection. Maximum hug efficiency. Maximum hug point energy or the (sighs) M-H-P-E. So one other thing, and I think this might be the last criteria that's super important, is the strength of the hug. Can't hug too tight, and you can't just lay your arm on someone like you're just sort of touching them, because that's weird. It's like, oh, you've just sort of slightly touched my back, and now you're leaving. Yeah, I'm with you. I understand. You want the full feeling without it being like at all crushing. Perhaps you can just picture that hug at this point, and maybe you don't really like physical affection and hugs aren't your thing. That's fair. But also, this is the optimal hug. I feel like they should (laughs) teach this. Not like necessarily. How to hug? Yeah, like they should have the diagrams that you have up right now on the whiteboard (laughs) that we have right beside our recording studio. Beside the recording studio. (laughs) We go outside. You're not in the recording. That's really good. (laughs) I love that mental image. I think that they should teach the optimal hug because so many people, so many people don't seem to, to understand how to hug how to hug optimally. What goes into a good hug? The most, I think, hug that it does not even deserve to be called. The side hug? The side hug's one thing the that side it hug's has. nice sometimes, but it's it not nice. a hug. It's not a hug. It's, it's, it's like, like a, a... It's a camaraderie, almost. It's a camaraderie. The hug that is bad is the toxic masculinity hug. <laughs> where they... Where they have to beat harder. the back. 
Oh my god! Right? You know, you you you've seen this, right? Where I they're have. like dunk dunk on the back for some reason. Whoever hits each other the hardest wins. I guess. I guess that's like what goes through their head, but it's all very it. subtle because they can't talk about it. But it's like, yeah, bro, you know, and like hitting each other on the yeah. back. Love one you, bro. Of my, one of my favorite things about this is that reminds me of the hug in Gravity Falls, the sibling hug that they do, where they just they hug and they literally say pat. Because it's it's too awkward because they're siblings and they're not allowed to show affection, but they care about each other and they're young. So I think that's where my mind goes to when I think of the padding. Yeah, I just think about like grown men who can't show affection without it having some sort of violence in it. Bro okay, that was a little bit intense as a statement. <laughs> I meant more between each other, but also, you know, they just bro gotta energy. Inclu- yeah, they gotta include the bro energy. The bro energy. Their BE has to be at a certain point. Oh god, I'm disgusted. So, I mean, maybe you've just had an overwhelming amount of BE in your life. I've had enough BE for a lifetime. That's what growing up as a closeted <laughs> trans woman is like. It's just being like, what is happening? Like, where's like my BE meter? <laughs> How do I? I don't have one of these. I don't get. How do I play this game? I feel like I have a different meter, but I'm not, (laughs) I don't know how to talk about that yet. Because no one's told me that there are different meters. It's the FPE, it's flower power energy. Actually, no, it's just FP, (laughs) it's your flower power. You have to gain flower power. Oh my god, I, yeah. Bro energy and flower power. I mean, flower power is also linked to the hippie move, Mm, which I'm taking it back. There you go. It's mine now. Reclaim that flower power. That's also what, you know, what you do growing up. You reclaim claim your flower power. Yeah, that's what you do. So like the thing about hugs is everyone has their own ideas of hug style. What is your optimal hug? How is it different from mine and is it? You know how you say, depending on your mood, you want different heights, right? I just always want to be hugging a taller person. That's fun. I like that. Otherwise, one of the things that I like about hugs, I like hugs that last. Yeah. Oh, there is a length of time. There is also too long, though. I There's mean, a threshold. There is that threshold. And it changes person to person, and that's the trickiest thing. Yeah, it is difficult to know exactly what your ideal hug time is and what the other person's ideal hug yeah, time is. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't overlap. It doesn't. Like, I am personally the sort of person who... I'm personally the sort of person. Personal. Uh, personally. I personally like, personally, personally, some hugs that are Some longer. personal hugs? I like, I like long hugs. I think, like, the thing that I don't like about long hugs is, like, standing for so long. <laughs> like, when it gets to the point that you're like, all right, I'm dying. One of the things I do that, like, I guess results in long hugs is sometimes I don't have a gauge for length with a certain person. Mm. I just sort of go off of theirs and I just, like, wait for them. And sometimes they just don't end it. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is happening. Yeah, I've been there. The the ideal hug, because I'm all about feelings rather than technical specifics of a hug. I like a hug that just feels like the other person wants to be doing it. I mean, that is important. Yeah, but like, you know, you like hug, you like hug people at like family gatherings. I don't. Okay, well, (laughs) I do because it is an expected part. And also because I do genuinely love many of my family members. I hug my mother because she loves hugs and I appreciate that. My father is weird, though he does give me hugs at goodbyes. That's, yeah, that's accurate. This is related. When I transitioned, my family was very accepting, which is very lucky. And one thing that changed, though, is like, now you hug. So you always hug, like, grandmas, right? You always hug grandmas. But grandpas... Gr- grandmas are the constant. Grandmas are the constant. But grandpas, when they know you as a boy, they don't hug you. 
And I never had a grandpa, so my family has worked. They they don't hug. You- yeah, this is not an experience Fair. I'm used to. This is an experience that I'm used to, and it's a thing that I've seen of just like any men in in like family situations. So like uncles. The thing is that you don't hug them when you're a boy. Even still, like my dad, when we go to like family gatherings, my dad and my grandpas won't usually hug. It is a weird masculinity thing, I guess, and it's just a shift now because now I just hug more. But there's a very big difference between like a hug out of like. A Necessity? Necessity or obligation, almost. This, this reflects really bad on my family. My family's great. There's a big difference between a hug out of obligation, like, oh yeah, we're at a family gathering. We got a hug because that is the expected thing of this family gathering. We just have to line everyone up and then one at a time just go through the process <sighs> yeah. of the hug circle. Yeah, kind of. Oh, okay. That was this a is, joke, but... <laughs> no, a little bit. There's a big difference between that and just, I just really want to hug this person. And like, I think you can just feel the difference in a hug where like the other person is really like, I want to hug you versus like, yeah, we'll, we'll hug. I feel like with the second one, I just sort of do the shoulder thing. I'm like, all right, you get my shoulders. Here you go. So you intentionally will give a bad hug if yeah. you're, if you're thinking the other person is not feeling it. Of course. You That's only weird. get my optimal hug energy if I want to give it to them. Is optimal hug energy like a thing that we're, that we're, that we have now? Like, is that like, is this related to bro energy? Bro energy, flower power. It must be, right? I suppose so. You need yeah. your conservation of energy. Stop getting science. So really, what is the conversion rate from hug energy into bro energy? I mean, what's the, uh, I don't know. You're the scientist, but it's not even remotely what you do. But. Approximately two slaps, I guess. Approximately two slaps. That makes sense. Should I do a craving? Yeah. Can you transition it somehow? <laughs> um, hugs are good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is good? <laughs> Cravings. I don't have any better way to transition this one, Claire. Also, you have to leave this whole thing in now. <laughs> Oh, I just choked on water. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. So, okay, so water. Water relates to my <laughs> Actually, this is somewhat music related because sometimes I can just get the craving to just drop everything and start a new life in Newfoundland. And I specifically get this craving when I listen to Great Big Sea. Okay. And I just want to play some Great Big Sea, just like a, a bit of it because it is so incredibly good. Know the world could be our oyster. If you just put your trust in me, cause we'll keep the good times rolling. Wait and see, wait and see. Oh, wait and see. like the energy of this. <laughs> it's got a really good energy. That is the thing. Like, Great Big Sea also has some has some like slower songs, but I really like the energy of the like, just the feel of this. And it makes me want to just drop everything, start a new life in Newfoundland in like a cabin somewhere. Just anytime in the Maritimes. Yeah, just like the Maritimes. I mean, generally it's a Maritimes craving, but Great Big Sea is specifically Newfoundland. I mostly just want a, a life in the Maritimes though. Just because like that energy, that East Coast Maritime energy. And describe that energy 
energy to me because I don't think I'm familiar besides just the music. Well, it's like it's a lot of like sailor, you know, type of thing. It's I'm it's catch like, a big fish today. It's I'm gonna catch a big fish today. It's fisherman. It's like you know, oh, you know, good old Johnny went out and caught a fish. So tonight we're getting plastered and eating fish. Eating fish. Isn't the fishing <laughs> industry dying out there? That is that is like the <laughs> subject of a lot of creepy sea songs. Oh, hey, that makes sense. Songs. It's got a nostalgia for me because I listened to it growing up, but also just in general, it's this this feeling of like out on the open sea with this boat I've named and my wife back home. What would you name your boat? Oh, what would I name my boat? The SS Friends at the Table Biggest Fan. God, you know they have actual ships in Friends at the Table that I could just use the names of, but oh I'm not gonna. God. The, the actual name of my ship is just gonna be the Sinkable. Oh. <laughs> because the Titanic they called the Unsinkable. So it's never <laughs> going to sink. So it's never gonna sink. The Sinkable's a good name. What would your boat be named in this AU where we've started a new life in Newfoundland? Because you've come with Okay, so I just thought of this. Uh, this is probably... Go. No one's going to get this if you're not a computer scientist. Or that's not even true. If you've like... <sighs> if you've lurked on a server before, you might get this. But okay. I just named my boat H. Because then I would call it the SSH. Yeah, that was about the reaction I was expecting from you. <laughs> God, I mean, I feel like I vaguely know the joke. It's a method of logging into a server remotely. That's it. It's just nerd. Hey, you're nerd. Yeah. No one else is going to get that. In, yeah. In I mean, I explained life. it. So yeah, they're going to be like, oh, right. We don't have computers much, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of the listeners have ever touched a computer before. Well, no, that was, I'm talking about the friends we have in our new Newfoundland life. Oh, you moved to Newfoundland and you're not allowed to take any of your electronics. They actually like take them away from you at the airport. Yeah, that's how it works. I feel like we should maybe clarify for American listeners what the Maritimes are and what Newfoundland is. Does the US not have the Maritimes? No, not really. Oh. Their, their thing is very different. What we have here is... They have New York. They have New York. What we have in Canada is the Maritimes. The Maritimes are mostly descendants of like Acadians, like historically. I didn't know that. That is the thing. It's just a very different culture that has a little bit more Irish and Scottish in it, but also has a coastal feel of like in every maritime province, their biggest industry is like fishing usually. And it often has its own dialect. It often does, yeah. There's like a... When I say often, I just mean it does. Yeah, Newfoundland particularly has its yeah. own dialect. In school, did you learn like Eyes Dubai? I mean, I know of the song. In high school, we got a teacher who was from Newfoundland and she taught us like some Newfoundland slang, which I later learned no one actually ever says. Yeah. But one of my favorite ones is stay at your ad and I'll come to you too. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. It's that sort of language. It's like, what if you took the source material of like Scottish and Irish and then just put it... <laughs> it's the fan fiction of Scots. It kind of is. <laughs> Newfoundland is fan fiction of Scotland. It basically. Yeah. Newfoundland is also particularly its own thing. Like it's very craggy and it's not a lot of population there, even less than the rest of the Maritimes. Apparently there's like a race thing that happens there once a year. That's about the extent of my knowledge yeah. on like culture. They also do, or at least they had for a while, done a lot of cod fishing. Anyway, we don't need to get into the specifics of the industries of the Maritimes. You just want to, your craving is moving to the Maritimes. My craving is, is a little bit moving to the Maritimes, but only when I listen to, like, Great Big Sea, mostly. That's why it's a craving. It's it's a craving. I listen to it, and I'm like, all right, then. Let's go live in Nova Scotia. Let's go live in Newfoundland, right? And that sort of thing. I've probably just pissed off everyone from the Maritimes for trying to do an accent that I think is an approximation of sort of their thing. Maybe they'll be happy about it. 
Also, maybe no one listens. Maybe no one listens. But uh, they should listen to Great Big C. I mean, like, you did good. clarify what the Maritimes were. Specifically, you said for America listeners, though. That could be a clarification for anyone who doesn't know what the Maritimes were. True, true. There's, they're not the most known. But I think if you... Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. The thing that gives me this craving is just, like, the feeling of less prim and proper, almost. I don't even know if that's accurate. I think the more accurate thing is, like, it is a coastal field that is very different from Vancouver's coastal field. Like, it is very much less crowded crowded and less busy and i've been there at least i've gone to the maritime several times and like it's a so lot less busy satisfied your cravings but like it's been a while intermittently it, intermittently and it's been a while and i like the area i think it's just generally a lot less busy is the main difference also lobster is super cheap there lobster is super cheap also in specifically prince edward island which i love is as prince edward island in the maritimes yeah it's one oh, of the okay. one of the maritime provinces it's the tiny little island yeah i mean i just I just didn't know if that counted. No, it counts. And it has really good potatoes. Ooh, okay. They grow a lot of, like, the potatoes that we eat there. Interesting. Yeah, like, you go there, and outside of Charlottetown, Charlottetown, it is just potatoes. potato fields. And then there's people doing fishing, and, like, you can get really good potatoes and really good seafood for super cheap. I think I want to move to PEI just and, I'm like, insane. live in the potato fields. They also have red sand beaches. Oh, I just, no, I just want to become a potato cryptid. Tell me about what a potato field is. <laughs> so you know how there's like only potato fields outside of Charlottetown? Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go and live in the potato fields. <laughs> And I'm just going to wander around eating potatoes and living off of potatoes but how and you... existing in the potato fields. And at, over time, I will evolve into this cryptid, probably grow some fangs or claws or something. I mean, that's the evolution of cryptids is you just, you become one with your cryptid nature. So no, so w- if you you're- You channel pot- your cryptid energy. Yeah, but if you're a potato cryptid, you're not growing like fangs and claws and stuff. Mm, no, I need you're growing... to eat potatoes with. You're growing roots. Oh, no, not only- am I growing roots, I'm growing like, you know, a potato skinner thing, but it's just what my fingers turn into. Oh, this is awful. This is so bad. But also, I understand completely. It's just they're really good potatoes, and so you're just gonna have to, you know, go there and live among them. My question about this this thing is, like, it's quite flat there. There's not a whole lot of forest. Mm. So it's kind of difficult to be a cryptid in a flat field. I guess potatoes, I don't know why I was imagining like wheat fields, like I'll just hide among the potato. Yeah, that's not (laughs) quite how it works unless you're like just gonna, maybe another adaptation you develop is you just now move on the ground rather like on (laughs) rather than flying through the air. (laughs) Move on like your, your stomach. Oh my god. So that you can hide amongst the potatoes. I You're no taller than a potato. I get, like, the movement abilities of a snake where I can just, like, slightly move every... Thing in my body. The potato snake. The potato snake. That's a cute name. The potato snake. The Aww. new cryptid. And if you it see It injects the... the potato with venom and then it strikes. <laughs> I love the idea that it considers potato a prey. <laughs> oh wait, this is you. Sorry. I love the reality <laughs> that you consider potato as a prey. Like, as a... Like, I understand that you're a vegetarian, but I don't think that means <laughs> that you gotta treat vegetables like they're meat and have to be, you know, hunted. I hunt the potato. <laughs> I'm just imagining. I will find the potato when it sleeps. <laughs> 
I'm just imagining. <laughs> Wait, also, you're injecting the potato with venom. That means you can't eat it. <laughs> no, it's, well, I mean, I have the venom. It's my venom. I can eat my venom. I'm imagining that a dart just, like a dart from you, like comes out of nowhere, just hits a potato. The potato just falls over. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, potatoes on the ground. It just comes out of the ground and rises up and then you grab it. This feels like the worst way possible to, to get potatoes. You know that like you can just grab things out of fields, right? Or I could inject them with venom. Is the venom, are you cooking these potatoes or just raw? Yes. Yeah, so they are raw potatoes on the fields. And then when I inject my venom, they immediately become poutine. That's really good. Also, I like to think that my venom is just cheese and gravy at that point. <laughs> all it is also cooking it somehow yeah also, I mean, you have to heat. fry it it has lots of heat and it's just hot cheese but you and also gravy. have to fry it somehow it's flash fried with my venom wow this is some powerful venom yeah. i want i want whatever this venom is yeah um then you just milk the cryptid for its <laughs> cheese and gravy venom the cryptid is you <laughs> i'm not going to milk you claire <laughs> And also consider an adaptation you could develop is a potato sack. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I think that's been invented. No, but you just, it's a part of your body. Oh, I wear one and it's just who I am now? Yeah, that's part of the cryptid thing. Is you just have a sack. To hunt the potato, you have to think like the potato. (laughs) You have to put yourself in the potato (laughs) shoes. Oh, man, like, I get it. I do get it. I really do. I also love the fact that of the things that you could have chosen to be a hunter of (laughs) in the maritime, you chose the potatoes (laughs) rather than the seafood, which actually needs to be hunted for. I mean, I don't eat meat. I mean, that's fair. I'm just saying you've chosen to hunt for something that doesn't move. (laughs) You could just grab them. This is why I survived for so long. Well, no... Not a very good hunter. The thing that you should be worried about is not hunting the potatoes. It's the potato hunting me. (laughs) No, it's the potato farmers hunting you. They evolve and eventually potatoes become (laughs) wild animals. I'm just imagining potato scarecrows, but they're alive. Like, like they're just made out of... It's, I'm just imagining potato elementals. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, like, it's like it's like rock elementals, but they're potatoes instead. And they, like, combined to create... And now you have... See, that's great, because water still wins against them, because you just boil them, and then they turn into a mashed elemental. So what I'm imagining here is this becomes, like, its own sort of show or something. I don't know. I feel like this is a Monster of the Week type of thing. It's the potato cryptid. The potato cryptid versus is the potato snake, which is you, remember? (laughs) So I'm going to be living in the Maritimes doing the hard work that you need to do in the Maritimes, and you'll be out there as a potato cryptid. And when you're in the Maritimes, and I'm like, just hunting my potatoes, I'll just like, come over, and I'll stay at your place, because my next craving is slumber parties. (gasps) Yes! Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so slumber parties are one of my favorite concepts that as an adult never happen. And so I have the constant craving of specifically, it's not just someone staying the night. That is a different thing. I mean, sleepover energy. And I know we've made a lot of energy jokes this episode, but sleepover energy is like a thing it and I feel like it thing. is tangible. It is like, it is a thing that you agree upon. Yeah. And one of my favorite examples of sleepover energy is bunk beds. 
<gasps> bunk beds have great sleepover energy, but consider something else that has sleepover energy. Sleeping on the floor beside someone else's bed. Blanket forts. Blanket forts were another thing I was going to get to. And definitely... I mean, you can sleep in blanket forts, though. Yeah, I mean, blanket forts are just inside tents. They are. But I like the idea of bunk beds. I actually had a bunk bed when I was younger. Not like... So did I. Not with another person, obviously. Same. <laughs> yeah, you were an only child, so obviously not with another person. And like, I had a sister, but we had different rooms. And so my bunk bed was just like above an area. I think there was a desk there. I think was what I had on it. That's pretty good organization. I love the bunk bed where you can just put things under it. It's yeah. not really a bunk bed. Any, I mean, is it a bunk bed if there's only one of it? Or does it have to be two beds in order to be a bunk it's bed? It's a bunk. It's the bunk is the, the idea. Is the tall bed. Yeah. I will say that when I had a bunk bed, I started out loving it and then I hated it. Oh, yeah. Which is why it's great for sleepovers and slumber parties that are just like one night. Obviously, you're not going to just get a bunk bed for a night. But like... <laughs> just rent a bunk bed. That's kind of how the internet works. Just start a bunk bed rental agency. I guess. I was going to say a bed rental agency, but I'm pretty sure that's just Airbnb. <laughs> but instead of going to the bed, the bed comes to you. Yeah, that's the that's the difference. I love slumber parties. Things that slumber parties are great for is ridiculous games before you go to sleep. Truth yes. or Dare is such a slumber party game that I feel like now as an adult gets turned into like, I don't know, a drinking game or whatnot. Like, you know, all that sort of thing. And I just, I miss the youth fullness of like, ooh, this is a dirty one. Like, ooh, this is going into some red zone stuff. <laughs> Whereas now it's like, who would you have sex with last night <laughs> at your friend? Who you know that they just like hooked up with someone. And that's yeah. like truth or dare as an adult at a party game. I think I think there should be more truth or dare that is like, who do you have a crush on? Ooh. Like that is like, that is the thing about slumber parties that, that was always cute and fun. Another one is spin the bottle. I've uh, never played spin the bottle. Uh, but the concept in, as far as I'm familiar with is someone spins the bottle, it lands on someone and you kiss. Yeah, I think so. I'd like, obviously, you'd turn that into a consensual version. Yeah, yeah. At least with our group, I feel like a kiss is Not minimal. a whole lot. But I get yeah. what you mean. So between, like, truth or dare, mm. spin the bottle, mm -hmm. you have, like, your nighttime chats. This is another thing is yeah. one of the biggest sleepover energy things is both going to bed, you've brushed your teeth, you're yes. settled in, and you just, you're having your conversation. And at one point, just the conversation ends. There's just, like, there's a point in the conversation, and there isn't another word, and you both are going to sleep, but you're both going to sleep in the same space. And that's just, like, that is big yes. sleepover energy. Yes, 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 yes. I feel like we deserve to have slumber parties because I don't know about you. I didn't have a whole lot like no. growing up. And I also had them with like boys, which is a different sort of energy. Yeah. I want to have more slumber parties with well, a bunch of queers. I feel like girl slumber parties have a particular energy. Yeah, that is very specific too. Yeah. I mean, I just, I never got the nail painting sessions. Yeah, me neither. Or the hair braiding well, sessions. Well, actually I kind of did around, but it was like. Yeah. I also kind of did. But yeah. like. Yeah. different. It's all about the environment. It's all about the when and the where. And the who. And yeah, the it's who. the who. Yeah. yeah. It is the specific type of energy of like, and we're then not there's gonna... one step above, which is lesbian sleepover parties. God, lesbian sleepover parties just get a little... Uh, uh, I mean, everyone's in the closet still and yeah. too scared. <laughs> yep, that is the way that it works. There's also a wholesome lesbian sleepover, but this is not the lesbian sleepover you have growing up. The lesbian sleepover you have growing up is where you're all like, like, angsty. A little angsty. And like, you're a little bit like, wow, I feel uh, some sort of way in this space. <laughs> 
Why do I want to braid this person's hair, but then also never stop braiding it? Why do I want to braid this person's hair and then also place in the bottle with them? <laughs> right? I feel like this type of wholesome sleepover should be more of a thing. I don't even think that you need to, like, drink. As adults, like, having this sort of slumber party, I feel like, I don't even think you want to drink. I think you just want to, like, That's hang out with difference. your friends. Yeah. I think it's the energy of just, let's have a fun, wholesome night, and you don't get wild. There's nothing wild about it. Unless there's pillow fights. Pillow fights are... Pillow fights are about as wild as it gets. Yeah, that's about as wild as it gets. And that's just fun. And that's just good times. The other thing about it is, I don't know about you, but my sleepovers growing up always involved video games. And oh, I yeah. Think, I think you just have to choose very specific video games. Yeah, I mean Smash Bros. Oh, obviously Smash Bros. <laughs> yeah. And whoever loses has to spin the bottle. Ooh. <laughs> but that just becomes a thing of like I guess one you person. want to. Whoever wins gets to spin the bottle. No, well, no, because the thing Whoever's is... the best person. No, 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 Claire. I know why you want this this part. <laughs> well, just, I want to go on record. I started off saying the loser gets it. You did. But as soon as you switch to the winner, it just becomes that you are spinning it every time because you, <laughs> my friend, are a Smash Brothers master. And I'll get there one day for my cravings. God. I think, like, Nintendo games in general are the feel of, like, a good slumber party. Mario Party. Mario Party. Mario Party has big sleepover energy. Mario Party does have big sleepover energy. I've actually played Mario Party at sleepovers. I feel like Sam. And these are the sorts of things that I think should be a part of this, right? Also, I think another important thing about sleepovers is like disconnect. I love technology. I love the internet. I love all of these things. I think a thing that I liked about sleepovers growing up was that like it's very contained to a room. Yeah. I mean, I feel like at least for me it was that way because I didn't have a phone. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a phone until like I was in high school. But yeah, like same. even then it's like you're not focusing like, even when I had one, you may be focusing on texting one or two people, but like... Mm -hmm. It's um, all about that hot gossip that's happening at the slumber exactly. party. Exactly! It's all about the hot gossip. And if you were texting someone, it was to do with some sort of hot gossip. Like, oh my god, Susie, just spend the bottle. Or it's like, oh my god, uh... What's her name? Give me a name. <laughs> Brianna. Nope. Okay. Richard. That's weird. I knew someone named Richard growing up. Sure, okay. let's go with... Yeah, Richard. Richard. Richie I'm Rich. I'm gonna need you to stop. <laughs> okay, well, did you have a scenario? <laughs> uh, the scenario was just like, oh my god, Richard just texted me. Oh, and then everyone collaborates on yes, your text that yes, you yes, send yes. back. <laughs> This is all of the things that a slumber party should be. There is one thing we miss. PJs are a requirement. Oh, of course. Like, usually I think it's like, you come in, right? And Yeah, it's and then like, you change into your PJs. You change into your PJs immediately. Like, you don't bring your outside clothes into a slumber party. No, I don't think you, like, transit or drive or whatever in PJs, but as soon as you get in the room. I would. I mean, I, I knew. <laughs> I just care about my image so much. I think, yeah, PJs are absolutely a must. All of these things all together. And then at some point you maybe sleep. Oh, also watching movies. Okay, so but is it a movie and people are paying attention or a movie and no one's paying attention? It's a movie and no one's paying attention. Okay, perfect. You're all gossip, right? Yeah. You're all gossiping. What types of movies have sleepover energy? The ones where you can look at the screen at any time and like, you know what's going on. There isn't a lot of yeah. dialogue. There's maybe a sort of action, but it's not like an action movie. It's just sort of things are happening. I feel like anything that's cheesy will work. And a lot of attractive people on screen that you can just gossip about. Rom-coms. I think rom-coms are a good candidate for this. You throw on Letters to the Moon. You and... throw on Letters to the Moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Play Letters to the Moon at your summer party. Yeah. Or I feel like there's 
lot of those like teen like movies that are are like primarily for teen girls mm-hmm. that like I missed out on growing yeah. up. Like I still have never seen The Princess Diaries, and apparently it's oh. it's like a fun and cheesy good one. It is. You yeah. see that? Okay, I've never seen it. As I feel like teen movies in general have good sleepover energy. Even just like watch The Breakfast Club or something. That one's a little bit you know more intense. But I mean, if you don't pay attention to it, then it's definitely true. not intense at all. You're right. I feel like those sorts of movies are, are good for sleepover energy. Also, just rom-coms in general, I think, can work. This is, you know, why we needed more slumber parties. We haven't gotten our slumber party fix. We haven't yeah. introduced enough big sleepover energy into our lives, and we're at a deficiency. And this is why there's the craving. Exactly. And I think it's important to note, we live together, but this isn't, we're not doing slumber party. This isn't slumber party. This is roommate energy. We, this is roommate Everything's energy. just energy at this point. Everything is just energy. I mean, matter is just energy and giving up. Okay, we get it. Science, blah, blah, blah. Listen, how can science explain sleepover energy? I mean, I think we just did. We kind of did. But I think that what we should do is just like host a slumber party. We live together now. Yeah, we, we do that host together. a slumber party. Every guest gets a good hug. Yes! Also, important question about sleepovers and slumber parties. How many people? Maximum 10, minimum 4. I feel like 6 is a good number. 6 is a good number. 6 feels like 6 or 7. Even is better than odd, because you can pair up. Because you gotta do <gasps> yes. braids. Yes! Good point. Yeah. Unless you do a braid train. Which is its own sort it's of adorable. It's own thing, yeah. So 6 or 8. It can go as low as 4 as high as mm-hmm. if you have a sleepover I think with just one other person that is like a different energy. just like one on one or three just one on one yeah that's that a is, different that energy. is a very different energy there's no games it's just sort of like you do a thing and you sort of that's the activity for the night and it's a good energy but it's yeah, like you know but there's different. clearly we need to throw slumber parties where yeah. there are hugs and all of these other things I can't remember I said like two cravings <laughs> but I cannot remember them right now <laughs> oh right they are Newfoundland so we're gonna have a slumber party with lots of good hugs <laughs> in Newfoundland in uh, the 50s. In 50s Newfoundland. No! No! <laughs> 50s Newfoundland is a very different thing. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> lots more fish, probably. I've lost more fish also the time that they were entering Canada. Well, there's that. So Point the good is- ones. Hugs and sleepovers. Hugs, sleepovers, I think 50s aesthetics. Yeah. Um, I feel like the connecting thread here is the wholesomeness. Right? Yeah. It's the connection. That is what this show is about. It's about loving and caring about other people. Is it? Connecting with each other. Making jokes. Just making jokes that thing. bring us together one potato snake at a time. I'm going to get your potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think with that. Yeah, I think we're, I think I'm done. Yeah. So, uh, I, and with that, <laughs> I think you should find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Salt Cravings. Drop us a line at contact at saltcravings.com yep. throw us some themes if you have cravings of your own let us know we'll talk about it. yeah we'll still do that we will still you do that craving we can do it i yeah. mean we won't do it we'll credit you but oh yeah we'll we'll credit you yeah but it's mine now n- no. i'm actually the craving snake i'm going to <laughs> shoot my venom into cravings oh and no ah <laughs> <sighs> yeah fair enough yeah <laughs> god anyway we should get uh planning on that summer yeah, I think we got that.